positive feedback loop. Good afternoon. This is Positive Feedback Loop with Luis, Stephanie, and Ray. Well, this is the show where we talk about things that we find extremely interesting. We delve deep into them and just learn a little bit with each other. So the topic today is actually uh, robots. And it's something that I think we all need to know a little bit more about. Right. And Luis, I wonder, when you say robots, do you... That's a broad term, right? You, what kind of robots are you talking about? Like automated robots, things that are physical? Are you talking about like digital robots or some, some kind of like chatbots or uh, algorithms can be considered like a mechanism a robot of a robot? I guess we have to define what a robot is. I think when growing up, the idea of a robot was this like humanoid, right, it looked manufactured like a, item. Mm-hmm. That, that, yeah, it looked like a human and walked like a human and didn't have much other use actually. Like the early robots, like we were thinking of, can they pick things up, you know, and bring them to us? Right, and like if you've ever watched the Jetsons, you've seen the robot that cleans the house and the robot dog. Is so it Rosie? I think, Ro- the name? I think yeah, Rosie. Rosie. Yeah, yeah she was, she, I feel like she always had a hidden agenda, that one. <laughs> I don't know what was on her mind, but. Um, well, now there are just so many different robots with uses we would have never imagined, and I think of uh, effective computing, a lot of that done by Cynthia Brazil at the MIT Media Lab, and how um, there are these robots that that like identify human emotion or help um, like those which is creepy as heck well, one quick <laughs> second can you can you define effective computing that's interesting what do you what does that mean actually or or maybe like what in more detail does she do how does she determine um, is it does she look at faces and then ask oh were you happy or sad well there's a lot of research being done with the idea that robots or machines can actually identify the emotion a person is feeling just by the way their face moves or the way their pulse is different and so um, there are different things they use. One is glasses that can identify the points on someone's face and how they move and the glasses can tell someone with autism that the person they're talking with Hmm. is disinterested versus angry versus ecstatic. That's really interesting. Interesting. Well, the uh, origin of the word robot is from forced labor. I think it's Czech, uh, if I'm not mistaken, or at least in, uh, I, I could be completely wrong. And generally, uh, a robot's seen as a machine. Right. Um, that's the general idea that we have. Although, I think in this program, we're going to be talking a little bit more about both machines and also programs, because there are just standalone computer programs that could be on the web that are able to do that forced labor, in a sense. Right, so it sounds like Ray's chatbot idea. That that's I think that could be, yeah. I mean, I don't consider that a robot, per se, but I think it falls within, well within automation. I mean, and I think that's really the main point that we want to talk about because that's something that is, has been rearing its, its head a lot, especially given the, the, the current political climate and mm-hmm. just sure. the way that technology is progressing and commerce, when so many companies have so much of their... Um, of their revenue, or sorry, of their costs tied in with labor, you start looking for ways to cut that. And you can only cut so many employees before you can no longer do the, the job. So automating has been the quintessential way companies have kind of gone around that, apart from all the other ways. Right, and that's kind of like a, like a subsect of robot, I would call like industrial robots, right? So uh, originally, yeah. Originally, they've been industrial robots, which have had the one purpose, which was I'm going to move this thing from here to here, or I'm going to weld this to this, and whatever's in front of me, that's what I will do. And I am blind, and I am stupid. 
Yeah, a lot of robots are giant arms. Yeah. And so my idea of this humanoid robot is almost reduced to one element of the self, the arm. Yeah. And that the entire robot is this arm. Well, the, the, the interesting thing about robots is they don't have to be limited to just a humanoid existence, right? Because right, right. traditionally when we think about like, you know, that, that's an android. That's a human uh, a robot with a human, uh, you know, look. Yeah. As opposed to a cyborg, which is, you know, a human with robot parts. Um, but the the android is no not really what we're seeing anymore. We're we've been very far away from it. I mean, there have been kind of some attempts at making sort of humanish robots, but it's really difficult to program a robot to walk right. Mm -hmm. That's what I've I've noticed. That seems to be one of the bigger stumbling blocks that people have had with making humanoid robots. It's just the walk is very difficult because it's such a in such a complex mechanism with so many small moving parts in the human body that are difficult to replicate in a robotic body that it's that's why you always see the the there's been so much effort put in with like things like big dog and things like that which you can like kick them and like they'll kind of like scramble back and they'll, they're fine right. as opposed to like asimo which like you would like whisper on it and it'll like fall over so i i, I don't know it's it's been interesting seeing how that's progressed but that's not really Something that you need if you're doing a job per se, because if you the point is to get from A to B, right? Not to walk from A to B, right? Getting to that point where you have androids that look like humans and really act like humans, I don't think at this point that they're a necessity in our society right now. I think that potentially in the future they might become yeah, sure. uh, useful. hospitality, hospitality, even like um, even socialization healthcare. of elderly people, yeah. for example, and uh, but. One thing that we talked about earlier uh, was a term called the Uncanny Valley. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I, can you describe that again? So the Uncanny Valley is the idea that um, as things, as false images or concepts or creations become more human, there is a point where they become very creepy. They become very unsettling. So uh, let's say if, if a child's doodle of a of a of a person. It's kind of cute, right? It's not particularly unsettling unless a child has, like, blood coming out of, like, you know, eye sockets and things like that. Generally speaking, those sure. things are eh, kind of cute. But as that drawing becomes more and more human, there is a point between it being photorealistic and it being unsettling and creepy as heck. Mm -hmm. And it is that kind of, like, transition that causes that level of discomfort in a lot of people. And, and I so, think that, they, that people say that Tom Hanks in Polar Express is, like the creepy factor it's hit yeah. that weird it looks a lot like tom hanks but it's it's animated yeah it just creeps well, people out. i, I feel that way about a lot of cgi you can generally tell that something's cgi because it feels wrong there's something about the movement something about the way things are happening even if it's a human doing that like it's a cgi of a human i remember the the older spider-man's the like early 2000s where he would swing from one place to another and that was CGI, and you could tell instantly because it would look cartoonish. Mm -hmm. Even though it, like if I were an alien, it would seem relatively realistic to me, but it's something about it just felt wrong. So that's, it's that feeling that's the Uncanny Valley, and that's something that's going to be in the way of making robots take, like, the, making androids is going to be difficult. Although there, has been, there have been a lot of people who put in a lot of effort to make human robot f faces. That's a thing that there's been a lot of attention on, but sure. And there's been like, like numerous industries that have like that are kind of growing in different countries. Uh, I've seen uh, in the sex industry, for example, there are um, robots that can, you know, be a sex slave to you, which I found uh, 
kind of interesting, but also a little disturbing because do you see like a society where you know that kind of activity becomes normal? I, I just, I just, I'm not Owning sure. Owning a sex robot? Yeah. Well, is, would it even be recommended? Let's say you have a population where HIV/AIDS is, consi- uh, assuming that it hasn't been cured at this point, is still prevalent, and in this way you get the, pr- the people in that community get their um, uh, their satisfaction or whatever, but they don't uh, have the risk of transmitting the disease. You know what I'm saying? Would that be an alternative solution? Well, actually, would it, it be recommended? To, yeah, it goes back to effective computing. So the idea of fe- effective computing is that you have robots or machines or programs or whatever, but they they understand or can interpret human emotion. So the idea that the use of a robot is not just in its machine use of screwing parts, you know, together to create a laptop, let's say. Mm-hmm. But then there's this idea that a robot, because of its Android or humanoid existence can somehow be tied to human emotion and useful for that. So the use of robots, for example, in being with people who are, um, you know, in, in rest homes, for example, and like having this person care for you. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing a film of a guy who lives alone. Yes, I remember. I saw the same robot. one. Yeah, yeah. His his grants. His son gives him a, a small robot to keep him company. Yeah. I think it's like yeah. Hank and the Machine or something like that. I, I forgot the yes, name. Frank and the Machine, I think, like that, yeah. Like that. And I, I will put the name up on the website afterwards. But, uh, sorry, Stephanie, we're giving you more work. <laughs> um, but the idea is that you yeah. can become attached to this robot because it's it's your companion. It's not just doing right. utilitarian tasks for you, but it's fulfilling some emotional purpose. And so yeah. this might be the reason that people want these faces on the robot, or they want it to walk like a human, because somehow it's fulfilling an emotional purpose. Well, even like before we get to the android part, there are, uh, if you watch the movie called Her, so yes. it's basically about some guy who buys an operating system that becomes his girlfriend in a way, and she has kind of the um, all the knowledge of, you know, all people in history, kind of, and it, you know, they form this relationship, um, but then towards the end, uh, spoiler alert, she, uh, towards the end, she spoiler, actually... Spoiler, we'll, we'll put up a flag as to when you should come back in, I guess? No, it's... <laughs> Check well, the website. Just, yeah. She basically, um, you know, she, I think, breaks up with him and says, um, you know... I want to. I want to explore new opportunities or something like that. And it's wasn't she dating everyone at the same time? She was. She was. Yeah, dating everyone at the same time. And just keep in mind, there was no physical body or anything. This was just an operating system. And she was able to feel more satisfaction by um, connecting with many people, even connecting with other operating systems. So it just goes to show you, people and operating systems apparently have this yearning for just connecting with more and more people. I think the, the the thing with the with her in the, in that scenario, we're assuming that you've created an operating system that has true artificial intelligence and has the ability to feel, to which, love, yeah, or, or at least care or about or another. at least interpret it its own way. Because how do you know what you know an emotion is if you've never if you're not the other person, right? If Stephanie were up to come up to me today and say, "Oh, I'm feeling so schlerm today," I'll what's, be like, "What's schlerm?" I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. making up a word. <laughs> okay. I'm just be like, yeah, it's like I'm feeling schlerm. I, I'm like, what? What's schlerm? And she'd be like, you know, schlerm. It's what you feel when you, when Maybe things go a certain way. I would have no idea what that is. It's impossible for me to, you know, project what an emotion is that I've never experienced. So how do you know a robot is feeling any emotions? 
How do you know? You have this Chinese room. Well, I don't think they are. I think they're actually, it's just a, it's just like kind of an equation that they come up with and based on all the experiences of their historical data, all the machine learning that they have underwent in order to have this, you know, artificial intelligence that it tells them this is what it feels like to feel slurm. Yeah, this but is actually true. There's analysis they don't, done on they don't like actually the slowness feel. of speech. We understand what emotions we're feeling because we can kind of just naturally put that calculation together in our own minds. It's like biological, maybe. Well, yeah, it's a but series for, of neurons firing and chemicals being released. But yeah. to know what Ray is feeling, like I know just by the heaviness of his speech and by how he forms his words, I can I can tell if I have enough emotional intelligence how he feels. And a computer just turns those into calculations. But if you've never seen an emotion before, so, so how do you know that? So I think there are two no, potential sure. answers. One yeah. can be instincts. It could be instinctual. You can have these this ability before you were actually um, b- before. It's innate, you're saying. It's innate. It's not something that. It is something that you learn through your your environment. You've seen like how your parents interact with other people and your friends. When you grow up, there's like socialization is huge in, in grade school. It's very important. Even before that, you know, kids play. Even in animals, it's an important part of growing up, right? So I think you do learn it in that during that time frame in early development of childhood. However, I also think that it's instinctual too. Now, that's an interesting point because you only have the instincts of your like all of human history, let's say, right? Kind of. So how long, and that took a long time. How long is it going to take artificial intelligence to have that instinct, Shuel? If all the potential experiences of everything exist on the cloud and all the robots and artificial intelligence are actually sharing all the information, it'll take much faster than how long it took us but to be at this level. But is that instinctual? I think we need to make a... A, a differentiation here between Please. instinct and knowledge. Okay. Because I don't think that we have built instinct. Instinct is something you're basically born with. It's largely genetic. It's largely, you yeah. know, I mean, yes, there's some aspects of it that might be environmental, but a lot of it is just, you know, what you start with. Because you start with certain instincts, you know, uh, fight or flight, you know, these sort of things. Right. Meanwhile, knowledge is something that this is what's truly led to human growth, right? It's the ability that we can pass yeah. knowledge off to, totally. the next, to the next species. And so the more generations we have, the more that knowledge builds up, the more we can, we can kind of build upon our past successes right. and or failures. What I'm si- But the difference with robots is, and I apologize for cutting you off. No, no, I apologize. There's robots is that they will be able to share everything from the get-go. They can have. They can be as connected as as we want to make them. Obviously, because maybe you don't want to give a robot all of the internet. That might not teach them the right things, as we have learned from Microsoft's attempts at doing a Twitter bot. That <laughs> a Twitter bot that we are, learned some very bad things. We are racist. <laughs> it, was, it was a disaster. If you're familiar with it, Microsoft tried to make a Twitter bot. It was very racist, and it just had to be shut down. Anyways, but because robots are able to share on such a big stage. The next end generations for robots can be so much faster than for humans because you don't have to have a robot wait until it's like 18 before it like has children and then it passes on information to those children. No, the robot just, you make a new one, right? Or the robot makes a new one. And that's the thing. When do you get to a point where robots can improve themselves? And that's the singularity. At that point, we're dealing with like the possibility of extinction. But that's another topic that is far more complex. But you're assuming that robots will get smarter and humans will not. 
right? No, if humans are getting we are, we are getting the rate, just not as fast. The rate is, is important because um, unless you think, unless you believe that knowledge is beyond what can be learned by a robot, that 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 really there's some asymptote that like machines just will keep infinitesimally getting closer, but human beings will always be on the other so side. So, are line. you saying? Wait, are you making a reference to the Chinese room? Is what I'm kind of getting out of this. Define that. So there's a thought experiment of basically an idea of an idea of basically understanding, right? And I, I might be murdering this, and I apologize to the listener, and I, I do suggest reading it up later. But basically, the idea is: let's say you have a man or a woman in a small room, right? And they have a series of books, one in Chinese, that, and then one in English. And the Chinese one basically tells them like where, to, like what the translation for uh, the perfect translation for every word is. And they receive a an instruction through a slot. They get the instruction. It's in Chinese. They pass it through the book. They look through it. They find the corresponding English for it, and then they write it out in English and they pass it out uh, through another slot. That's the output. Is that not is that not essentially what computers do? We give them a set of ways to interpret inputs, and then how to get through the output without any real understanding? Because does the person inside the room understand Chinese? Do they know how to read Chinese? Right. Or is it more, they're just doing a function? And so is that, that's what I feel like you're kind of making reference to in terms of like, do robots understand? Do they really learn or is it more, they become more capable and but without this, true understanding? I think this relates to um, my thoughts on consulting. <laughs> like, a robot could never be a consultant. Robots can solve, you, maybe they can solve any problem, right? Like you tell them, I have this problem, and they're like, boom, I can solve it. Better than an MBA student. I'm so smart, I'm a robot. But a true consultant can hear a problem and realize that's not the true problem, right? They know when to start asking, well, why is that a problem for you? Well, why, why, why? Until they get to the root cause, which is a completely different problem. Qu That's something a human would only understand. So I would argue, what if you had uh, a deep learning technology that recorded all the interviews you've had all, for all consultants in the world for 20 years, right? Everything and all the activities they've done somehow just like uh, was able to collect that information and synthesize it. Along with their outcomes. It. Huh? And along, the especially along with their outcomes because okay. that's going to influence um, how they do it. And then, and then over time, learn how to do it better and better. Do you see, do you see that kind of situation and occurring? It, it wouldn't be impossible. They would have better interviews, but they wouldn't put two and two together because the, that, the two and two that are being put together have never been but put So let me ask before. you this really quick. So what, what is it? So a consultant is a human being, right? And a human being is like the result and product of many um, you know, experiences in his education, maybe uh, his interactions with different people and what he's read and learned and all these things put together, right? But now you have the same thing, the same artificial intelligence, but instead of like one person consultant, he's got yeah. all those experiences and he's putting them together. I guess and what I'm getting the, at if you include the effectual computing into it, like you were saying, you can read the person's mind. Wouldn't they have the same capability? Well, I guess what I'm getting at is that we're thinking that the more and more knowledge you have, even if you take it from all the different human beings, would give you better answers or even find the better problems. You can program a framework into a robot, right? You can say, if you're doing the consulting job, here's a framework on how you should approach it. Data, data collection, right? 
Maybe the data collection includes asking further questions. And maybe during the data collection process, you can program it to also create hypotheses based on the data it's collecting as it's collecting. And the more ability it has to get a clear hypothesis, until it is able to establish clear hypotheses, it won't stop collecting data, it, un unless you're, there's no more data to collect. So maybe it will keep asking that why question, or how about this, and how about this? And then until once it's satisfied, it'll say, okay, I think I have enough of what I need. Right. I'm gonna go and start seeing if I can how, come up with a solution based on this. How would you deal with overfitting? Well, you wouldn't, you I know? think they would have, the, so initially you'd have many hypotheses, like like hundreds probably. Yeah, and probably then you try to, yeah. thousands even, and you try to, filter through, break them down by asking questions. You would you would put probabilities on each hypothesis. So I think we've just built Akinator. Akinator. Are you guys familiar with yeah. that? There's a, uh, I think it's the name for it, which is there's an online pr a program that basically does 20 questions with you, except it goes over 20 questions, and guesses almost with certainty most of the time who you're thinking about. Who wow. you're thinking about. And it can be anyone. Akinator, <laughs> like, you could talk about... Uh, minor YouTube channels. You can look up movie stars, car cartoon characters. It'll. So I have it loaded up on the screen. It's oh. like akinator.mobi, and uh, it says the web genie. Uh, so yeah. I could start playing it now while we have continue this conversation and see what I comes out. I think that would be hilarious. So yeah, it says, yeah. let's do a so test. I, so who are we gonna think of? Who are we gonna think of? So oh, we have to start off thinking about something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Hmm. It says to start a game, uh, click on play. So Snoopy? I'll just click on play. Does that be a real person? No. Do you want to activate the chat? That's it's gonna get Snoopy very quickly. Oh, okay, we got somebody more. I'm gonna read through the questions and then we'll just work through. Yeah. So it says, do you want to activate the child filter? No. no. <laughs> All right. So here it goes. So we'll just follow the instructions. Hopefully this won't take long. It, so. This is interesting. <laughs> let's let's uh, think about a person. Let's see if they get it right. Okay. How about, uh, what's his name? Uh, you, you, uh, is this a character from a TV the show? Guy for, are, are you looking up maybe the guy from... Yeah. What about Tommy from uh, the Rugrats show? The I was going to say Tommy was always, I thought I think we were going to say, but Joe, Tommy from the Rugrats. Tom, look it up. Tommy okay. from the Rugrats. Just make sure you know enough about him to actually answer questions. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't it's know. It's all yes or no. Okay, um, is your character a male? Okay. Yes. While, our, while Ray is doing that, we're no. going to break to a small commercial break, and we'll come back with the answer on whether Akinator found it. Does your um, character stand on two legs? So please stay tuned for some words from our sponsors. Do you have boring afternoons? Are you bored right now? Have you tried solving puzzles, but find them to be not involving enough alcohol? Well, we have the solution for you. Come down to escape the rum and play the game that plays you. At Escape the Rum, we will get you shmammered, more hammered than you've ever been in your life, and give you but the simplest of puzzles. Now, it is up to you whether you escape. Can you do it? Can you escape? Can you make it? Or will you bomb it first? No refunds. Escape the rum, coming to a town near you. So welcome back, everybody. Um, before the break, I was trying to test this a web genie out, and it turned out it didn't get the Rugrats character. It actually got Phil, uh, which was one of the other characters on the Rugrats. So it was close, but hopefully I allowed it to learn better. Um, so we were talking about artificial intelligence and robots and kind of more into the, digging into the, 
um, AI aspect of things. We want to kind of transition into more physical robots and automation and how all these systems and technologies are going to impact you know, people's lives, how jobs may be affected. What's, how are we going to, as a society, transition into a world where machines will be doing much of the work for us? I mean, this, could have been, this conversation could have been had 100 years ago, in a way, with different types of technology. But now we're, we're growing at a rate that's so much faster. Well, but, I, but the technology before was inherently different. And this is one of the things that we, I think, we kind of touched on it before. But previously, the difference, what a, what a robot could do was it would replace mechanical labor. So it was all muscle. They're replacing human muscle, which allowed humans to move into things that we can specialize in. Because even before, we had, you know, horses replacing human muscle to a, to a degree. And we had a lot of... We, humans are not particularly known for their brawn in terms of the animal kingdom. So having a robot do that, not the worst thing in the world. If we can automate that, there are still plenty of things that humans can do because our specialty is our mind, right? Whether you talk about it from the perspective of our ability to, you know, take inputs and create outputs in terms of mentally or ability to be creative, those are all mental labors. And that's what we're seeing robots starting to move into, both in terms of robots that can do art and robots that can do, basically, that can learn in the, in the workplace. And when you're talking about a robot that, yes, you have to pay X amount to buy it at first, but all you need to keep it going then is just maintenance every few, every few years and electricity, that's cheap as potatoes compared to an actual human laborer who you have to pay for, you know, their care, their days, their sick days, you know, their, you have to give them breaks. You, you don't need to do that with a robot. So you're saying, obviously, this technology is becoming better and better. When would be a good time to invest in a fleet of robots that can help with a certain, in a certain environment or setting? Would it well, be depends, now or would it be in 10 years well, when it's well, much cheaper and it, better? You, that's a very broad question because we're talking about... Um, a lot of different functions robots can do and that they might not yet be... Like, if you're talking about, for example, automatic cars, I would say you should have invested a few years ago. That would have been the great time. Now it's it's still going to be happening, but now there's much more attention on it. So um, what uh, CGP Grey, who we talked about last week, uh, calls autos, which are fully automatic vehicles. That's gonna be happening much much sooner compared to and we have those you know automatic warehouse robots that will like help move things from around the warehouse so you, you have automated warehouses that sort of thing already exists but if we're talking about uh i forgot the name of that robot that uh basically is able to learn in the workplace can can take up different tasks it's a uh, big red i forgot what it's called uh, if you can look it up that'd be awesome mm-hmm. um that might be a few years away but it, again, it depends on what you're looking for and what industry you're in and how, how big the need is because that's going to be dictating how quickly people rush to get new technology and adopt it. There's also a lot of automation that's been a part of our lives forever. I think of like, you know, coffee makers and, you know, toasters and refrigerators and there's a lot of just smart things that we wouldn't necessarily call robots in, in, in a way, but we but our automated technologies. But what's the difference between a robot and a tool? Because I feel like a refrigerator is a tool rather than a robot. A, 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 is it a human, it doesn't a human have a face, though? A human can't refrigerate. We don't have the ability to innately refrigerate things, right? Is a right? robot, by definition, a replacement for a human being? Well, if we're talking about automation, it's about making taking something that was traditionally done manually through using labor and basically removing the labor aspect by having a machine do it. 
right? But I think that the labor doesn't have to be human labor. So you can automate something that animals used to do. You True. You can automate something but we didn't that have a, a refrigerating animal. machine used to do, right? Yeah. We like, should have had a refrigerating animal. We really animal. should have. <laughs> if, 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 that was like, a misstep in evolution. <laughs> Somewhere in evolution, there was just a... That's a huge problem. But think about, like, refrigerators that, that know how to, uh, you know... Take, the wild like, freezer mammoth? They <laughs> 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 just stick it in and it keeps it cold forever. It's got well, like we used to keep ourselves warm within animals. Uh, yeah, so we have warming... But the reverse of that, warming yeah. animals. The reverse is true. I mean, yeah. we, and that was more essential, I guess, yeah. back in the, the That's time. That's how they, you know, kept yeah. things warm, was yeah. wrapping yeah. them in skins, so... What is automation and, and what layer is it building on? What is it actually optimizing? Because this goes back to our are, are robots necessarily humanoid? Well, again, I don't think they have to be. I don't think they need to be. I think that the main thing that they need to do is be able to perform physical functions if it's a robot and not just a program that for a robot um, and then have the ability to make decisions. That's what differentiates. So it's decision making. It's the ability to make decisions is part of it. I think that's one of the things that's going to be important in the new next generation of robots is one, being able to make decisions and being able to learn from decisions and from past experience. I think a lot of people have been working on robots not just making decisions based on tasks, but also, also can a robot make ethical decisions? And people are already working on things like that. Can they make a, a decisions based on emotional contexts and so forth? Well, the ethical decision one is one of the reasons why it's so scary to have, for example, automated army. If you were to have robots in the army, how do they differentiate between a good guy and a bad guy? And by good guy, bad guy, that's hugely uh, simplifying it, but let's keep it simple for now. Um, how do you differentiate between someone on its side and someone who isn't? And a civilian and a fighter, right? You can't, it, we don't have technology yet. There's, they've done a lot of work on it. I think like South Korea has like an automated turret on, its, on the border with North Korea. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. The, what if the it, technology is still... I don't know if I still trust that. Right, and what about if you come to a point where the robots, although programmed to identify enemies, uh, what if they just start to use their own like learning abilities to identify that all humans are actually enemy? And I know that there's, like, many... Um, ways to prevent that. I think that and there's like mm -hmm. people with much more experience who are setting up organizations and eth ethical organizations to address these kinds of issues. Um, they're working on that, but still like there's a chance that, you know, uh, one code or, you know. Something some, goes wrong. Something goes wrong and they identify just human beings because, because what if a human is endangering another human being, which is what war kind of is. Yeah. So would that be considered a well, threat? I think you're referring back to Asimov at this point, yeah. right? The Asimov rules of robotics where humans, the, like the main imperative is you, a robot can't hurt a human. Yeah. Right? A human's life is paramount above other, unless you're protecting against another human or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that there's been a lot of work, I mean, or books and literature and movies that have treated sure. the subject of like, you know, what happens when robots decide that, hey, maybe we should work for these guys. Because again, you know, they're they're supposed to be forced labor. That's the definition of ro like the original meaning of the word. Um, and if we give them a lot of our own characteristics, they might have the desire to maybe not work for us, or maybe that because they are they've reached a point, maybe they reach that um, singularity where they're able to outpace us in, in terms of being able to grow and learn and make themselves better much faster than humans could ever do because we are biological beings. 
and we have inherent limits, genetic engineering notwithstanding, um, then there is a possibility that we could lose that fight if that happens. But we're talking about like the interfacing of humans and machines. Yeah. Chances are, if you have an army of robots, that some other country may ha also have an army of robots. And then you've got For robots sure. fighting robots. And does What's this the turn point? into like, yeah, does this turn into like an Ender's Game scenario where it's just, a, it's almost video game-like? Well, isn't where, like, that what we're doing now? Two countries are playing video games against each other. Well, like nuclear warheads are, I mean, isn't that well, what we're Well, no, kind of I, think, I think if anything, you're, you should be referencing more drones. Drones are yeah. much more like video games when it comes to war because you don't, get close to the people you're killing, right? That's one of the things that uh, even airplane pilots have, uh, you know, jet fighters tend to talk about that. The fact that, like, when you're killing someone from so high up in the sky and you're in, like, a mountain village somewhere in the U.S. and you're killing someone in, in the Middle East... You have a distance from that yeah, person. Yeah, you have such a distance right. from that person that it's easy to become desensitized. But, right. right, I mean, but nuclear warheads are the same. They're, there's a Nuclear distance. warheads are the same, but they're different because the moment you use one, we're dead. Like that's it. <laughs> there's no. There's no. Well, that that makes me even more yeah. concerned now. <laughs> like drones are at least specific; they can target. Uh, and also, nuclear warheads are, they can target, but it's a much broader. I don't see. Impact. I don't see most governments trying to automate warheads. Forget automation. Why, even? I mean, this is another topic. Where nuclear proliferation evolving. is yeah. absolutely a big concern, but I think that that's a little bit far away from uh, automation. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's... In fact, if anything, the opposite of that has happened to our nuclear arsenal, where it's just ancient at this point. Not the actual technology for the missiles, but the actual like way in which they are generally handled, because a lot of it is using like really old, it's old. machinery and computers, so they can't be hacked. And they're, proper, they're improperly kept. There's a so we can get back to drones. Yeah, and just considering. Yeah. Just to wrap this up, I think that there is a as a lighter side to this, which is you know we imagine you know war and drones and the dark side, but also the fact that we can use robots for for actually healing the world and making the world a better place. So there's this really interesting yin and yang. Yeah, well, I mean the the big concern automation. with robots is that they're going to be too protective. I mean, isn't that the big the big fear, right? That they will we will no longer be needed. Humans won't be needed uh, to perform most work. Well, because robots will be able to produce far more efficiently than we can. Unless humans find higher level work. Yeah. E but that that's not I think certain. There's always higher. That level is work. not certain. I'm on Stephanie's uh, I boat disagree. Here. I disagree. I do not think. <laughs> I think that this is a this. If you're replacing human brain power, where else do we go? And we can't go to creative because. There's only so much there. I, but, a tiny minority of people right, are but creative we would, and successful at it. Forget, all right, let's for, let's put aside creativity. But initially, we we're talking about how people can feel, and that's kind of difficult to emulate with a robot. They're trying with effectual computing, but I think that's something that we're not really that close to reaching. It's just emulating feelings, but it's not the actual feeling. Like how our enzymes. Uh, fold and change when we're visually seeing something or smelling something or experiencing an event is very, very complex and complicated. Does it matter if a robot can fool you? If a robot can fool you into thinking that it feels, does it matter if it doesn't feel? No, it's fine. I don't, I'm not saying well, that... Well, you're asking does if a tree falls in a forest, does it make a sound? And I think there are people on both sides of that argument. But with that argument, I think that we, could, we should wrap that up as a, like a question that we leave. To the viewer. Can you rephrase the question? Um, which is... If a robot can fool you into thinking it can feel, but doesn't actually feel, doesn't matter if it feels. Can it do... Can it take your job as a human 
if your job involves your ability to sense emotion from others and to feel emotion, doesn't matter if a robot actually feels or if it's good enough at being, uh, at sh depicting it. As emulating it, right? Yes, and at understanding it in others. And it's like at least anticipating well, it. Well, it depends on the circumstances. But yeah, let's, uh, let's, I wonder what our listeners think about this. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's end on that question then. Very yeah. interesting. And, and if you're interested in that question or answering it, we, you can uh, go to pflpodcast.com and uh, comment on the blog because yeah. we'd love to hear your input. Yeah, we love, we love hearing from you guys. And I will say that this is such an interesting topic. There's a possibility we'll revisit it at some point. So if you want that, please let us yeah. know. There's so much to cover and there's not enough time on the day. So this has been wonderful. Another episode of Positive Feedback Loop. Thank you all. And stay crazy. Looking forward to the next one. Does your character does your character have a tail? No. Does your character live in water? No. Does your character hold a world Guinness? No. Does your character fight?